This week's episode of Proper English is brought to you by World Book Day and the idiom comparing apples to oranges. What are you reading at the moment, Dave? Well, Ali, I'm reading six books. How is that even possible? <laughs> Multitasking, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do tend to read quite a lot of books all at the same time. Well, I know, but I didn't realise you were reading six. Yeah, a couple of them are, are poetry anthologies. So I'm opening it up and reading a poem or a couple of poems and then putting it down and then maybe having a look at the other anthology and having a look at that. Okay, you know, reading right. bits and bobs and all that sort of stuff. Nice. Yeah. The two poetry anthologies that I'm reading at the moment are the Norton Anthology of Postmodern American Poetry. Pithy. Bit rude. Um, which takes in literally hundreds of different poems and many, many different poets um, from the beat poets of the 1950s and 1960s mm. right up to the present day. And the other one, is called Dancing by the Light of the Moon. Mm. And it's written by an English presenter, uh, raconteur, mm -hmm. writer, poet. Oh, this has to be Giles Brandreth. Is it, it is Giles Brandreth and former Member of Parliament. Yes, he was a Member yeah. of Parliament, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's very good at public speaking mm -hmm. uh, and uh, he's always been fascinated uh, by poetry. And uh, one of the things that he thinks that poetry helps to do is to improve your memory. Mm. Uh, and he says one of the things that is absolutely brilliant for, uh, for keeping your memory active in the same way uh, that, you know, you go to a gym if you want to keep fit and what have you, mm -hmm. is by memorising poetry. Right, yeah. Yeah, uh, and it's it's a really it's a really interesting read, and there's loads of stuff in it. Uh, really lovely poems from Wordsworth to Oscar Wilde. You know, all so sorts of stuff. all English, British. Um, there are a few European poets, um, but I can't bring any to mind at the moment. Uh, but mostly, I think it's English, right. English and American. Right. Yeah. So that's that. I'm also reading a book called Vampires of Law, which is by a guy called A.P. Sylvia, uh, which uh, our friend Paul, mm -hmm. uh, who presents a podcast called Mysteries and Monsters, he interviewed this guy, A.P. Sylvia, on his podcast. And I was absolutely fascinated by the interview. Uh, and as a result, got you to buy it me for Christmas, didn't you? Did. This book. <laughs> yeah. And it's ever so good. It, it tells you about the, the history and the mystery of vampires in, in legend and fact and fiction, films and television and stories, you know, all, all sorts of stuff. Um, from uh, Polydori's The Vampire. Uh, to you know, Dracula AD nineteen seventy two. It's it just looks at all the things that you think uh, you know about vampires, like garlic, for mm -hmm. instance, and then looks back at the history and the legends that you have in Eastern Europe and stuff like that. So, question, yeah. if I may, uh, the history of vampires. You use the word fact. Well, you see, there are. Uh, uh, documents that uh, Mr. Sylvia has uh, discovered that tell you about how some people died 
in uh, in medieval Europe or in the 16th century, mm. maybe the 17th century, uh, and that the locals felt that this person was a vampire. Um, so uh, they, so they had to make sure that this person was dead. Yeah, so, uh, you know, okay. so, it, so it might be an absolute load of nonsense and fairy tale. And hogwash. Hogwash. Codswallop, indeed. <laughs> um, but it's interesting, very interesting though. reading. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Now then, so that's three. The fourth one uh, is a short book of essays and poetry by a very old friend of mine, Will Viger. Uh, and the book's called Submerged. Uh, and it's a series of pieces about what he considers it means to be European oh. and how it feels for some people uh, on the other side of leaving the European Union. Right. It's very interesting. His poetry is superb uh, and his prose is as well. And uh, so if Will ever listens to this, it's uh, going to be very complimented, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> Then, what else am I reading? I'm reading uh, a book about spiritual enlightenment. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was written in the sort of 1960s and 1970s, so it's very hippie. <laughs> uh, and it's called Be Here Now, and oh, it's by a guy okay. called Ram Das. And it is pretty hippie, but it's very interesting as well. It's all about his journey to enlightenment, and uh, yeah, I'm quite enjoying it. Mm. Finally, finally, <laughs> on my Kindle, mm -hmm. I've been reading Guns, Germs and Steel by Jared Diamond for about 18 months now. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's one of them things that you dip into, dip in and out of. It's basically a history of the last 13,000 years of human civilization. Wow, that's ambitious. <laughs> it is, yeah, it is. Is it a big book? Well, it's not particularly, no. <laughs> but the thing is, it is interesting, but I find it a dry read. Okay. Yeah, so, so, so there's lots of information in it, lots of statistics and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and I can only take so much statistics mm. before I start falling asleep. So it's quite useful at the end of the day. <laughs> I have to say, you're not making me feel like I want to read it. <laughs> well, it's a good book, but it's just a bit dry, that's no. all. So, what book has changed the way you think about the world, Ali? Hmm, maybe Green Eggs and Ham. By Dr Seuss? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I loved that book as a kid, but yeah, I am joking. I'll be honest with you, I do not like green eggs and ham. I do not like them on a train. I do not like them in a tree. I do not like them here or there. I do not like them anywhere. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll answer your question then. <laughs> so this book that mm -hmm. changed your life. Yeah, I don't think it changed my life, but it had a big impact on me. Right. And it's a book called Blood River by Tim Butcher. Ah, so what's that about then? Well, he, he's a journalist who okay. was based in South Africa for many years and who had become obsessed with wanting to travel the entire length of the River Congo oh. in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Okay. Um, and was told for a long time, you know, can't be done. Right. It's an extremely dangerous country, war-torn, 
Um, and you know the infrastructure is very poor right uh, so dangerous for all sorts of reasons but he was determined to do it okay and i just loved it absolutely loved it it's a mixture of his kind of journey it's so it writes about his his travels and the people that he meets and the places that he sees and they're remarkable um and it also delves into the history of the country okay which is horrible Actually, at times. Something to do with Belgium, isn't it? Yes, yeah. King Leopold had... Oh, he wasn't a very nice person. No, I don't think anybody could look back and say that he was a good man, probably. Um, So, yeah, it's a country that's been treated very, very badly. Its people have been treated badly. Um, But it, you know, there's lots of sort of anecdotes of resilience and people just kind of getting on with life. And it just made me want to visit so badly. I mean, not at the moment, because <laughs> it's really dangerous. Yeah. But yeah, no, it just it just sounds like the most amazing place with the most fabulous people. And yeah, I it, I kind of fell in love with the idea of 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 maybe one day I will be able to go there. That's kind of that would be a dream that one day I might be able to visit Democratic what? Republic of the Congo. Wow, yeah. cool. And not dry at all. An absolutely fascinating read. He's a brilliant, brilliant writer. And now it's time for Idiom of the Week. Idiom of the Week? Comparing apples to oranges. So, this idiom came up in my lesson with Miho this week. It's the idiom that you use when you're comparing two things that are clearly dissimilar. Like, for instance... I used to be a civil servant and you used to be a primary school teacher back in the UK. And even though we both worked in the field of education, comparing our jobs would be like comparing apples to oranges. Mm, Good example. I still don't really know what you did as a civil servant. (laughs) Something to do with statistics? Classified, I'm afraid. I could tell you. But But you'd have to kill me? Grief, no. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, it would be too boring. (laughs) Okay, that's the way. (laughs) Where does it come from, this apples and oranges idiom? Shakespeare, Taming of the Shrew. It's often Shakespeare, isn't it? Ah, yes. But here, it was a bit more extreme than apples and oranges. He is my father, sir, and sooth to say, in countenance, somewhat doth resemble you. As much as an apple doth an oyster, an old one. So, I'm guessing this chap is saying, this guy looks nothing like your father. Spot on. Interestingly, the Spanish compare apples with pears, which is what I said to my student initially. I reckon one of my Spanish students must have said it to me at some point. Just as well it wasn't Serbian. You would have been comparing grandmothers and toads. Oh, dear. That's nothing. In Romanian, you compare your grandmother with a machine gun. Blimey. And here we are at the end of another episode of Proper English. As always, we hope you've enjoyed listening in on our conversation. And please, make sure you rate and review us on your favourite podcast app, because if you do that, it helps us to get noticed. It would be perfect if you recommended us to a friend. Or a family member. Or a fellow student. It makes us so happy when we get new subscribers. The more, the merrier. We also love getting feedback. 
So why not get in touch? Tell us what you would like us to talk about in future episodes. But how, Dave? How? Well, our email address is properenglish. All one word. At sapo.pt. Or you can get in contact with us via whichever kind of social media you use. So, until next time, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me too. And thank you for listening to Proper English. English.